The brother said that there, uh, quoting Psalms 23. I I remember there was a time when I I really the Lord spoke to me through that that verse of scripture, and it, He just said, "The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want." And that was just the end of the thought in my mind, and that stuck with me for so long. I always just quoted that to myself. The Lord is my shepherd. Let's think about what you're saying when you say that. Yeah. A shepherd takes care of his sheep. And he said he's the good shepherd. Amen. He don't even leave the one. He leaves the 99 and go get the one. Amen. And he leads us to, it says, green pastures and still waters. He, he's going, in other words, if you say the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want, then you're basically saying God, you're, you're quoting a promise from God to take care of you. Yes. As long as you're one of his sheep then you've got the best shepherd you can ever have. That's the key to it, ain't it? Being one of his sheep. And he said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. That's how you identify his sheep. Is if they follow him, then they're his. If they don't follow him, don't believe it. Don't believe it. All right. Good to be here tonight. Uh, Small crowd, but that's okay. Uh, So I'm excited to be here. I really am. And I'm I'm very thankful that we're able to be able to study in the book of Revelations, and it's went so well. I know that some of us have really had our eyes open to a few things, and I really appreciate that. That means a lot to me, including myself. Because, um, you know, as I said there at the beginning of the service, we're just searching for the truth. That's what we want. We want the truth. There's no hidden agenda. There's no agenda to be right and somebody else to be wrong. There's no special motives. There's no opinions that... I'm not too prideful to say if I'm wrong. I'm not too prideful to accept someone else being right. And that's the way I want to stay. The bottom line is, what does the Word say? And that's the truth of the matter. That's what we need to get to. What does the Word say according to the Word? And sometimes it's hard to figure out. But if I believe if we pray about it, we study hard enough and we use the Bible to compare. Excuse me. Uh, use Scripture to compare Scripture. We can, we can figure it out. Tonight we're in chapter 12. Um, last week, we did discuss some three and a half years periods. You know, you, I don't know if Sister Pat, wasn't, you weren't here, was you? But we talked on the phone, didn't we? Yeah. But I gave a little illustration, you know, and that's stuck in my head all week. I kept thinking about that illustration on that cross. Do you remember that? Yeah. And I thought, you know what? I think the Lord led me to do that because I don't think anybody will forget that. I didn't forget. I can't. I'm not forgot that. I, I just it's been in my head all week. I thought about the three and a half years and the three and a half years, three and a half and three and a half makes seven. So if we're talking about the whole span of God from the beginning of time when God created the heavens and the earth until the second coming of Christ, and we if if we were referring to that span of time, whatever however long it is. We could say it's seven, whether it be seven years, seven thousand years, seven million years, or seven days in the eyes of the Lord. However you want to say it, I promise you it's seven because God created the earth in six days, rest on the seventh. Everything in the Bible symbolically numbered seven actually means the completion of it. It means the end of it. And God chose that, not me and you or anybody else, not King James, no one else. That's the way God designed it. So if we... If we had this, I'll say it again. If we had this from three, from from here to here is seven, then that means right here, three and a half, three and a half. Two people of God, Israel 
Gentiles. So when we see the Bible talking about three and a half years in Revelations here, again, after the 144,000 are marked, the 144,000 were marked at the end of this period. They were marked over here because it's the end of the, the sacrificial system that was developed uh, by Israel and that was used all the way up to 70 A.D. 70 A.D., the temple was destroyed. You can't sacrifice animals no more without the temple. We, they couldn't worship without the temple. That, Jerusalem was the center of the people of God's worship. Jerusalem was, you might say, the capital of God in the known world at that time. That's where You remember the woman at the well? She said to Jesus... The Jews say we must worship in Jerusalem. Remember who said that? That's why she said that. Because it was well known throughout everywhere that this is where you, this is the, the Mecca. This is the center of worship. But when Jesus came and fulfilled all of the sacrificial system, everything in the Old Testament was a shadow of what was to come in Christ. And when Christ came, we needed that no more. You see Paul say these same things in other words. It's not needed no more. When the new has come, the old is no good. Remember Paul, or Hebrew, writer of Hebrews said that. When the, old, when the new covenant comes, that means the old covenant's gone and it's done with. It's void. What happens? Destroyed. It's all over. Destroyed. That period ended. Now the next period begins. And that period, I believe in Revelation, sometimes is called three and a half years because it's half of seven. So I believe that this period over here is the church age that we're in right now. That's the, that's the, that's the age. That's the, the time of the Gentiles are trampling. The times of the Gentiles are now, and they've not been finished, not been fulfilled. John says, and in, in other places we read back in chapter 8, 9, or whatever, that when the seventh trump sounds, the dead in Christ will rise. And Revelation refers to that time and says, when that happens, the time of the Gentiles will be finished. So see, we put all these things together and we, can, we get an understanding of what the Bible's saying. Chapter 12, though, is something that everybody thinks they got figured out. I had two at one time. And really, I believe it's a little bit different than what it appears to be, to be honest with you. But we're going to read five verses and then I'm going to stop and talk about those five verses tonight. And hopefully next week we'll go back into chapter 12. It says, And there appeared... A great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared a, another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth." And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for her to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. <clears throat> and her child was caught up unto God and unto his throne. We're going to read one more verse. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a, had a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. So here we are again with the 1,230 days. Or So here we are again with that three and a half years, okay? Here we see that three and a half years again and for a reason. <clears throat> and we're going to explain what the reason is. 
if what I just told you a minute ago is stuck in your head, what that three and a half year period is right now on this side, then you can most definitely apply it right here with what we just read. And you'll know that this time, that right now has something to do with what we just read. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> and I'm going to try to explain that with the Bible tonight to under, so we can understand it. Now, I, I want to say this too first, that the three and a half years, well, there's people that say from the moment Jesus was baptized and the Holy Spirit came down upon Christ, ascended like a dove, until he was crucified was three and a half years. Okay, so we see another three and a half year period there. Um, and I want to say that sometimes I believe in revelations that uh, the three and a half years is representing the ministry of Christ. That was his ministry from, the time, from that time of the baptism to the, the cross. And that was his ministry upon the earth. But his ministry hasn't stopped. Do you know that, right? His ministry hasn't stopped because he passed that ministry on to you and me. So we're recipients of that ministry, and then we pass that on to somebody else. So that three and a half years, uh, we could say represented the ministry of Christ, but in a broader way of saying that, you could say it's still representing the ministry of Christ because it's still, the ministry of Christ is still taking place. People still evangelizing. People still getting saved. Amen. We're seeing, you know, Christ still working in the lives of, in our lives and in the lives of other people. Amen. And uh, <clears throat> I don't think we have any problem understanding who verse 5 is, to be honest with you. We have three characters here. One of them is a woman it talks about. The other one, we know who that is in verse 5. There's no doubt in my mind. And I believe... There's another character here, the beast, and we don't have no doubt who that is because it actually tells who that is here in, the, uh, in verse 9. And we can read that here in a minute. So we have the woman, the dragon, and the child. Now what's this talking about, though? How's this done happening? It's talking about the birth of Christ, Brother Mark? Well, it appears that way, doesn't it? It does appear that way at first glance. It appears that it's talking about the birth of Christ. And I think it is in a way, and I'll explain in a minute, but I know a lot of people believe this is Mary. That's who the woman is. And the Catholics are big on this verse right here, to be honest with you. If you wonder where some of the Catholic stuff came from uh, as referring to Mary, this is it. And uh, I don't know if Brother Juan's ever saw anything like this or not, but I know I've heard that in Mexico and stuff there is, I don't know if he's ever been to Mexico, but I've heard that there are statues of Mary in different places, and she has standing on the moon and is clothed with the sun in the statues. Yeah. Okay, you saw that statue maybe or something in a church somewhere, Catholic church or something? You don't have to go into Mexico. You don't have to go to Mexico to see it. Huh? Okay. Well, anyway, so... Yes. So see, that, tell, that backs up what I'm telling you, that the Catholics stand strongly in the fact that they believe this is Mary. Because she's giving birth to someone who we know is Jesus. So we know this is Jesus. How could it not be Mary? Well, I'll explain a little further in a minute. But let me show you over here how we know this is Christ for one. And that's over here in Psalms. Um, in Psalms chapter 2. 
I want you to notice what it says. Uh, did I get it right? Yeah, Psalms chapter 2, I think it's verse 7 here. It says, I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and it shall be given thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for my possession or thy possession. Verse 9, thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Now, <clears throat> depending on what uh, translation, how you translate this word, if we went to the concordance right now and translated this in Hebrew where it says break thee with a rod of iron, it will say one of the translation words is rule thee. So it rule thee with a rod of iron, break thee with a rod of iron. You know, when you, I guess if I want to say it in old-fashioned Bible terms here, when you break the rear end of a youngin with a rod, you know what I'm talking about, spanking someone's tail, then you're also doing what? Ruling that child. You're ruling them. You're ruling over them. You're correcting them, okay? So that's where that word can be interchanged, rule and break. So we know that this is the verse that he's talking about here, but I want you to notice something about it. There's a reason I went here. It says, I will declare a decree, in, the, in, in Psalms again, the Lord has said unto me, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And he talks about begotten him, and we sometimes think that it's referring to the birth of Christ. But let me show you something now in Acts 13.33. <clears throat> it's closely related. Acts 13, 33 says this. God hath, this is Paul talking in Acts. I think it's Paul. He said, God hath fulfilled the same unto us their children. I'm talking about the Jewish people. In that he hath raised up Jesus again at, as it is also written in the second Psalm. See, he's quoting the same Psalm we just read. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And look what it says next. And as concerning that, that he raised him up from the dead. Notice that. So how is this important, Brother Mark? I'll explain. Because what he's talking about being begotten son doesn't, is not referring to the birth of Christ. He's referring to the death of Christ. It's like now that you, my only son, my only begotten son has finished his course and ascended into heaven, now he rules, see? He's sitting on the throne right now, ruling. So with the iron rod, he's ruling. Not only that, but Paul says it here in Acts. He said it right there in Acts. He said that, uh, he said also it is written in the second Psalm, talking about the Psalm we read, Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee, and as concerning that he raised him up from the dead. So he's saying he's the first begotten of the dead, not the first begotten born. So he's referring to his begotten son as being, you might say it this way, this is not exactly, but you all try to read between the lines and figure out what I'm saying, being born when he died. When he ascended into heaven, he began. You know what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? So that's what... The reference here is about in Acts. Also, if we go to if we go to Revelation chapter one here and we see, and I'm, I'm going to bring all this to point in a minute. 
In verse 5, 1, 5 says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. See, talking about him being begotten of the dead. In the book of Colossians, let me show you something. Just to back it up again. In the book of Colossians, in chapter 1, verse 18 says, And he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead that in all things he might have the preeminence. So he's the firstborn of the dead, the first begotten of the dead. So now when we look here at chapter 12 again in Revelations, and we see that the woman, it says in verse 2, and she being with child cried, travailing in birth, pained and to be delivered, and there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, the great dragon talks about it. Then in verse 5, and she brought forth a man-child who was to rule the nations with a rod of iron. See, as in, in Psalms it said. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Notice something in verse 5. It, it references Second Psalm, rule the nation with a rod. Now me and you just discovered what that meant in Psalm by using the Bible to tell us it didn't mean Jesus was born. It meant Jesus ascended. So now he referenced the same wording in Psalm. Rule with the rod. And then he says, her child was caught up into God and to his throne. So once again, the ascension, referencing that. So in other words, here's what I believe. I'm just going to cut to the chase and I'm going to say it. And then we'll fill in the blanks. I don't believe it's talking about Mary. I believe it's talking about Israel. Israel was travailing. Israel needed to be delivered. Go ahead, brother. Talk about Mary and all that. That's not my. That wasn't my first first thought. My right. first thought was Israel. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, even, even with you going through that right there and everything, it could be talking really about Israel being being the mo- being the mother of him right. and everything. But at the same time, him not being really truly as a child, but as born as a man. Right. Already born. Uh, since he had, like you said, had been already begotten, mm-hmm. he had already ascended and everything mm-hmm. to where he could be himself a man. That's why right. immediately after he was delivered, as you had delivered into heaven, right? And everything. Well, there's some evidence. We got a lot more evidence to talk about here. But if you just think about it, if you looked at the sacrificial covenant, the old covenant in the Old Testament with Israel, if you look at that as being a shadow of things to come, we're told that in the Bible that all the ordinances and laws and commandments and and all the different things are a shadow of things to come. When Christ come, he filled in all the puzzle pieces, remember? Okay? So we could look at that as the baby. That was the embryo. That was the baby developing. And, but when Christ came and ascended, it was complete. It's fulfilled. It's done. Everything from the beginning until the end was complete. It is finished, Jesus said when he hung on the cross. It is finished. The, rail, the, the veil rent from top to bottom, ripped, the earth shook, the, the moon or the sun turned dark. I mean, it, that was the end of it. So what we see happening here is we see, hap- we see Christ being born as not on the earth as a man, but being ascended into heaven and to his throne. And 
there's a lot of other symbolic stuff here that we're going to talk about real quick. Um, but notice it said here, it said in verse 9, <clears throat> I think it was, no, it wasn't verse 9, it's verse 5. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule nation, was iron, caught up in, in, and was caught up into God, into his throne. So we know what they're referencing there. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God. Now, let me remind you of something. Okay, <laughs> I told you that when 70 A.D. happened upon uh, Jerusalem and it was all destroyed, that the remnant of Israel, those believers, those Israelites, those Jewish, the 144,000 that was marked, remember, symbolic number, there wasn't really 144,000, it's symbolic. But it was symbolic of saying the first fruits, those Jews that first believed in Christ, Jesus, or the, uh, God is saying here in Revelations, before we destroy Jerusalem, before it's all taken down, before all the punishment comes upon the harlot that drank the blood of the martyrs, before I release all of the punishment upon this generation from Abel to Zechariah, you go down and mark those, spiritually marking those that belong to me, those first fruits. And Josephus in history tells us that when 70 A.D. happened, that the Christians fled to, out, of the, uh, out of the city to a place called Pella. They escaped the judgment. They escaped it all, which makes sense because that's the way God always did. Every time, he always. Notice the woman, notice that she fled into the wilderness. And the dragon's after her. Does that ring any bells in y'all's head? Think about this. Who fled into the wilderness? Who, went, who was delivered into the wilderness and Satan was right behind them on their heels? Israel with Egypt when they left out of Egypt. Remember? Guess what? Before destruction came up on Egypt, we got a perfect picture here. God marked his children with the blood of the lamb over the doorpost. And then they fled into the wilderness with God where he nurtured them and took care of them. But Pharaoh was right behind them, fleeing after them, trying to destroy them. So here we see the same thing happening at 70 AD. You see the real Israel, not the nation of Israel. Now here's where we got to, you got to really think about this. Not the nation of Israel we're not talking about here. We're talking about the Israel of God, the remnant of Brother Gary touched on it a little bit here when we were talking before church. The remnant of Israel. In other words, those that accepted Christ. They were, Israel, they were Jewish people. They were Jewish blood running through their blood, but they accepted Christ. Now what separated them from the nation of Israel? Well, here's what accepted, it separated them. Jesus looked at the Pharisees and said, Don't say in your heart that you're the children of Abraham. Guess what? They were the children of Abraham. They had the blood flowing through their veins. But he said, don't say that in your heart because you are not the children of Abraham because if you were, you'd do the things of Abraham. You don't do the things of Abraham. You do the things of your father, the devil. In other words, you're the children of the devil. Even though they had Jewish blood running through them, they weren't God's children. They weren't chosen people. This has been branded into our brain in modern times that Israel's chosen people. They weren't chosen they were the children of the devil. Jesus said that, not me. Those that were chosen was the Israel that accepted Christ, that accepted the Messiah and the plan of God. And there was many, there was thousands of them that accepted Christ. 
So you're talking about thousands, not little churches, but thousands of people fled to the wilderness and fled out of 70 A.D. when destruction came in 70 A.D. That's well known in history. That's documented in history. So if you believe this is Mary, which I don't because of this reason, if you believe this is Mary, I think it would be incorrect in my opinion. And I, I mean, because and and there was a time in my in my studies that I probably would have believed this was Mary. I don't believe it was Mary. I think that it was actually Israel. And the reason I know that's because Mary was there at the birth of Christ. But this is not talking about the birth of Christ. That's why we established that. See, this is talking about the ascension of Christ, Jesus coming out of God's Israel and ascending into heaven and where he can rule with the rod that he's ruling with right now, by the way, not, that, not, not 100 years from now when he sets up a kingdom. He said, it. he said he came to set up the kingdom when he came the first time. He said the kingdom of God's within you. And he said if anybody says, look here or there, because the kingdom of God's here, the kingdom of God's there, then do not pay attention to them, didn't he? He said don't believe them because the kingdom of God is within you. Now, there's people that are teaching today that the kingdom of God is going to be set up in the future in Israel. Well, what about the scripture I just quoted? Jesus said if somebody tells you the kingdom of God is going to be set up in Israel, don't believe them. Because, isn't that what he says? If they set up here or there, he said don't believe them. The kingdom of God is within you. See, Jesus brought the kingdom of God when he came. and he, It was a spiritual kingdom. It's nothing. It wasn't so physical as everybody was accepting and literal as everybody was wanting it to be. And that's why they rejected him, to be honest with you. That's why a lot of the nation of Israel said, ah, oh, this ain't our Messiah. Our Messiah don't come a poor man, no place to lay his head, you know, and suffering and meek and mild and people beating on him and spitting on him. And, you know, he don't look like a king to us because they were looking with the physical eye for a literal king. And they missed it. The problem is, y'all get this, because I've taught this many times, and I can talk to somebody in past. In the past, I've talked to somebody right after church, and they say the opposite of what I just taught when I say this. But they were looking with the literal eye for Jesus, for the kingdom, for the king, and they missed it. Here's what I'm going to say to make sure you get that. You still will miss it today if you're looking for him in Israel in the future. You're doing the same thing they're doing. All you got to do is open your eyes and he's right here now and he's ruling right now as king. He's reigning over his children. And that's why it says, what are you pointing at, Ray? That's why it says, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> he had me looking all over my shirt. <laughs> what is it? But that's why, listen, that's why it says he's ruling with a rod. When he ascended, he will be ruling with that rod. He's king of kings, Lord of lords, right now. Amen. And we are his kingdom. We are his subjects right now. Not in the future, but now. Now, the other, so we know who the child is for sure. I think we've discovered who the woman is. Now, also, we know who, it's going to be pretty easy to understand who the dragon is because it says down here in verse 9, um, and the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil and Satan. There's a couple little interesting points I want to point out here, and then I'm probably about done. And that is that, for one, 
we know who this is. The devil is Satan. He tells you it's Satan and it's the devil. So this is the place in the Bible that tells us that Satan and the devil are the same person. But it says he's a serpent. Go ahead, guys. Brother. Who was ready to kill baby Jesus? Herod. Okay. Was Herod be the, the dragon? I, I have thought that in the past, to be honest with you. I have thought that in the past. And it makes a pretty good fit, to be honest with you. But I think what, we've, what I'm teaching tonight makes a better fit. Because really, I'm glad you said that because you reminded me that I'm not done. I'll give you a little bit more evidence on the, on the Israel part of it to show you that, that it's Israel. And that is, uh, let's see here. In, if, we, if, we, if we read in uh, verse 1, chapter 12, verse 1, it says, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve Stars. Now let me show you something over in Genesis. I'm glad you mentioned that because that jarred my memory. Genesis chapter 37, I believe it is. I don't even know if I wrote it down. Genesis chapter 37. I want to show you something. Now let me ask you this first. Y'all know the name of the person that became Israel, right? I know you do. Who was, who was the man Israel before he got his name changed? He was Jacob. So we're going to go in Genesis chapter 37, verse 9 says, And he dreamed yet another dream, and told it his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more, and behold, here it is, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it, it to his father and to his brother, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed that shall I and my mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? Now my point is this. He saw, he saw in his dream 11 stars. You know why? Does anybody know why? Why he saw 11 stars in his dream? He saw the sun and the moon and 11 stars. Because he was the twelfth. Okay? This is the twelve. This would become the twelve tribes of Israel. So what we see that, and there's a perfect picture in Revelation, the same thing. Here's this woman. Sun, moon, and twelve stars. See, so it's obvious the identification of this woman is Israel. Because in the Old Testament there, what we just saw, his dream revealed Israel as being Sun, the moon, and 12 stars, or 11, he said, because he was one. So I think that gives us a little bit more evidence that it is Israel. And, but the King Herod thing, I used to believe, I did. I used to think that this was King Herod after Jesus and Mary in the wilderness. But this other fits with the rest of Revelations, number one, with everything else we've already studied about 70 AD and about all that happening. It fits with the rest of Revelations, and it also, there's just a lot more evidence that says that. Uh, you think you've got to remember, it's not all of Israel. Let me show you something. In Romans chapter 9, this is something, I'll tell you what, I think everybody ought to remember. When you start listening to a lot of modern-day teaching that was created in 1830 by John Nelson Darby, when you start listening to a lot of that teaching... 
we get a false idea of who Israel is, I believe. In Romans 9, 6, I can show you that by what Paul said right here. He said, let's read 9, 5 first. He said, in 9, 5, whose are the fathers and whose and of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came. Talking about Israel, the nation, who is over all. God blessed forever. Amen. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect. For they, listen to this, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. So he's talking about people that are out of the nation Israel, but he said they're not really Israel. Why? Because he's, they didn't accept God's, they're not followers of God. They didn't, they, weren't, they didn't worship God. They were religious people. Even though they were Israel in the flesh, they were not Israel in the heart. The chosen Israel of God is people that are Israel in the heart. That's you and me. We're Gentiles by flesh, but we're Israel by heart. So a lot of times when the Bible's talking about the Israel of God, talking about Israel, it's not talking about the nation Israel. That's where the, all the confusion comes from. People say, well, they're talking about the nation of Israel over there. It's going to do this. I'm going to do this. Watch the news. Watch Israel. You'll see it unfold in Israel. It's all about Israel. It's all about Israel people. They're confused about that. It's all about Israel, but not that Israel, about this Israel. And that's Bible. That's absolutely Bible all the way through it. So... <clears throat> Who was? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Who was the uh, the child that was uh, going to rule with the iron? Jesus. 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 And he is and ruling. That is Jesus. Yes. That was the baby that was. Well. Was born. Well, it was saying to be delivered. It was. It was saying to be delivered. It was. She was. Yeah. But it was referencing Psalm chapter two, and in Psalm chapter two, it shows that it wasn't talking about the birth. It's talking about the ascension into heaven. That was the birth. In other words, in other words, birth of Christianity. You might say, even though we know Christianity started on the ground when Jesus was here, but his birth set him over his people forever. I mean, he's ruling from the from the throne of God with a, with that iron rod. He's he's ruling his people as king. A king ruled. And that's what Jesus is doing now. That's the kingdom of God is being ruled by its king right now. Is that what the Jews are still waiting for? Is the earthly ruler with the iron I think so. Rod? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. You're probably dead on it. Yeah. See, still looking at it literal, still waiting on that king to come and take over the Palestinian area over there and kick all the Palestines out and take their land back because the Old Testament gave it to them. But in Joshua 21, I think it is, ain't Sister Ruby, and you read in Joshua 21, I think, it says plain as day. I could read it to you. Easy, plain English. God gave unto Israel all the land he promised, and they dwelt there. And he protected them from all of their enemies. And he even goes as far as saying not one promise that God made Israel was, did not come to pass. He goes to say that in Joshua, I think it's Joshua 21. So you can look that up. But, uh, so there ain't no land owed to Israel because God's already gave it to them. Um, I'm trying to think of what the last thing. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> 
on Satan. I just want to tell y'all something that you've been your whole life. You've been told that Satan was the serpent in the garden. But where does the Bible say that? Where does the Bible say that serpent in the garden was Satan? Okay, the Bible never says that. And we would have never known that unless we got right here. This is the only place in the Bible that it reveals to you and me that Satan was a serpent. And so we can take that, you know, we, we, we know that. We've always been taught that stuff. But, you know, we would have never known that if it hadn't have been for the, this scripture here. It said he's called that old serpent, cast out, called the devil and Satan. Even the word Satan. See, Satan's not a name. <coughs> we think that's a name. It's not a name. It's a title. And it means adversaries, all it means. So back in the Old uh, back in the old uh, Testament, if you wanted to say, I'll just give you a crazy example. This may not be exact, but you'll get the understanding of it. Let's say we got two guys fixing to wrestle. Somebody's over here on the side, and they say, who's your adversary? In the Hebrew, they would have said, whatever word is for who is, and then they would have said, who's your Satan? Because that's all Satan, that's what the word Satan is, is a Hebrew word meaning adversary. So it would have been called, you would have been called adversary if you were a, you know, if you were an adversary. Not, it's not a, so it's not a name, it's a title. Of course, it's become a name now. But notice that in Revelations here, it gives us the, Greek also, because adversary in the Greek, I'm pretty sure I'm telling you right on this, adversary in the Greek is Diablo, I think. Am I Greek or Spanish on that? 